What's up, guys? Max here with another episode of the Scuttlebutt Show. Thank you all for joining me today. The chat's already going crazy, and that's amazing. Thank you all. We are like less than 30 subscribers away from 1,000 subscribers, so thank you all for showing up day after day. If you were here on Thursday, which is the last time we had a show, we did not have a show on Friday, Okinawa time, Okinawa time talking about. It's Sunday back in the United States right now. Happy President's Day, by the way. Uh, out here in Okinawa, we have the day off. I hope you guys have a nice day off tomorrow. But if you remember me talking about my buddy Mark, who was Sea Wild Earth in the chat there, doing his walk down the east coast of Okinawa. That's why I didn't have the show on Friday, because we went up there. We headed up there Thursday night. He finished that walk in about 40 hours, okay? He walked over 100 miles in 40 hours. So good for him, good for his walk, raising money and awareness for testicular cancer research and treatment. So big shout out to him. Congratulations to him on finishing that. I hope he's uh, resting up now. Hope he's resting up now. I saw him, I picked him up on the south end of Okinawa and he was a little worse for wear, but in positive spirits and just crushed it. He absolutely crushed that. So thank you guys for checking that out last week. So as always, one quick thing that we like to do here is the about yesterday segment. So a little bit about yesterday. Yesterday, I was watching Saving Private Ryan, which, uh, you know, when we had the conversation last week about top five military movies, a lot of people have Saving Private Ryan in their top five, which is great. I totally think it's an incredible war movie and tale of, you know, heroics in World War II and what people were up against and humanity in general. But I was watching it yesterday and I've been watching it for like two weeks, you know, 10 minutes at a time, five minutes at a time, whenever I have a minute, pop on Netflix, pop on Saving Private Ryan. You guys know how long that movie is. So I finally finished it last night. And I realized something. I don't know if I knew this before and forgot or if I'm noticing this for the first time. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. That whole movie takes place over the course of a week. So if you look, you know, D-Day was the invasion of Normandy was obviously June 6th, 1944. And then at the end of the movie, if you look at the gravestone of the captain, Captain Miller, it was June 13th when he was killed. So spoiler alert, I guess if you haven't seen Saving Private Ryan, but shame on you if you haven't. Uh, so that whole movie takes place in a week and I did not realize that. So we have a lot of great stuff to cover today. We have, as always, when there's a weekend, we end up with a lot of stories. But some of the big stories today are, we've got some aliens that we're going to be discussing. I'd like to hear what you guys' thoughts on aliens. Are aliens real? Is the military covering aliens up? Or are aliens just military aircraft that haven't been, you know, unveiled to the public yet? We've got a veteran stand-up comedian that we're going to be watching a clip of. We have a video game coming out that's been pretty controversial. And we've got women in the draft. Women in the draft. Should women be drafted? I'd like to hear your comments. We're going to get to that story at the end. I'll tell you what I think about it. So I have my thoughts. I have my thoughts. Kilo says, just finished up watching A Bridge Too Far. Forgot how good that was. A Bridge Too Far. I don't remember. If I, I'm not sure if I've seen A Bridge Too Far. I'll have to check that out. Has, did anybody go watch A Bridge Over the River Kwai? That was a, that's a great, that's a great film. Um, so let me know if you guys have any new favorite war movies you want me to talk about. Let me know your thoughts on Saving Pride Ryan and start thinking about your thoughts on women in the draft. And let's get right to our first story of the day, which is going to include a little video. Maybe we'll watch a little video, but this is a, uh, I saw this and I knew we had to cover this, which is Los Angeles-based comedian and U.S. military veteran to speak at virtual luncheon. This was the headline, so I, I don't know what this video is. We're going to scroll right past that. So out of Fort Wayne, Indiana, the, uh, the website Wayne.com reporting here, Los Angeles-based comedian, musician, advocate, and U.S. military veteran Tom Tran is coming to Fort Wayne on March 11th. You guys know who Tom Tran is? Have you ever heard of him? As the keynote speaker for this virtual conference. So this is uh, 
this is the article that turned me on to this. And then I, I, his bio here, which is pulled right directly from his website, by the way, I realized after doing some more research, he enlisted in the United States Army at 18 years old before he even finished high school. After joining the Army, Tran spent his entire career as a communications sergeant as well as civil affairs sergeant within the United States Army Special Operations Community. In 2003, four days after crossing the border into Iraq, Tran was wounded during a firefight when a sniper's bullet found its way into the back of his skull. He bandaged himself up, continued the mission, and finished his 12-month tour in Iraq, but his wounds would eventually bring an end to his military life. After redeploying to the United States, Tom was medically retired in 2005. Post-combat, comedy saved his life. After touring the United States as a road comic, Tran moved to Los Angeles in 2008 and two years later created the G.I.s of Comedy Tour a comedic troupe of troops that has toured all over the United States and to nearly two dozen different countries, performing to audiences, both military and civilian, bringing the healing power of laughter to, the, to those who need it most. In 2019, Tran and several members of the G.I.s of Comedy appeared on the Netflix series Larry Charles' Dangerous World of Comedy, toured nearly 30 U.S. Air Force bases across the continental U.S. The group has raised over $20,000 for the Special Operations Warrior Foundation, a charity that raises college scholarship funds for the children of fallen U.S. Special Operations personnel. When Tran isn't on the road, he makes his home in Hollywood, California, performing at the world-famous Laugh Factory and clubs all over Southern California and occasionally does some acting, co-starring on Blackish on ABC and SEAL Team and NCIS Los Angeles on CBS. Recently, Tran's love of rock and roll finds him on back on the stage playing lead guitar for a heavy metal band and cover band he co-founded called the Tom Tran Band, playing bars and nightclubs in Southern California. So he's a pretty well-established dude. He's got a lot going on. So I saw him and I was like, oh, we got to cover this. We got to cover this on the show. And I thought a fun way to do that would be maybe to check out a little one of his bits, maybe one of his bits. So what I have pulled up for you guys is one of Tom Tran's performances of his comedy. And we're going to go over to, uh, this is Navy veteran reacts to Tom Tran military stand-up comic. Let's check this out. I'm a retired United States Army Staff Sergeant. Um, I retired because in 2003, when I deployed to Iraq, my first mission outside the wire, I was in a gunfight. I took a 7.62 round from an AK-47 to the back of the skull. Honest to God's truth, that's why I retired. Um, it screwed up my short-term memory, and I can't remember a lot of things, which is why you might see me looking at my hand occasionally. Um, and people are like, that's terrible that you don't have a good memory. And it's not, because I live uh, with a woman, and it could be the best fucking thing that's ever happened in my life. Because <laughs> I have a built-in excuse to forget everything. She can't get mad at me, because that would be unpatriotic. <laughs> <laughs> I was on tour one time, I called. I was like, hey, I made it safely. She's like, why didn't you fill the ice cube tray? I'm like, cause I forgot. She's like, why? Cause I got shot in the goddamn head. <laughs> Fighting for your freedom, so. Which one do you want, ice or freedom? <laughs> Can't have both, that is selfish. <laughs> Kids in Afghanistan that would love ice. <laughs> Probably freedom too, but freedom, ice is a lot easier. I got a purple heart for it. You guys don't, don't cheer for that. It's the worst fucking ribbon you could get. That just means the other guy almost killed you. That's all that means. But the thing about the purple heart is, in the state of New York and in the state of California, when you have a purple heart, they give you a free license plate. Did you know that? That's one of the few advantages to being shot in the head in combat. <laughs> Let me tell you a funny story about the first time I, I got my license plates. I was in New York, my hometown, Buffalo, New York and I got my Purple Heart license plate. So this was 2004, right after I got back from Iraq. 
And I get my plates and I call my buddy Matt down at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And I said, hey Matt, I got my Purple Heart plates. And Matt has three Purple Hearts. So he's been shot three times. <laughs> this was like 2004, right after the first year of the war. A lot of support for the military. Matt goes, put them on your car and see if you can get a ticket. That doesn't seem like a good idea. So he goes, no, no, see if you can get a ticket. So I put my plates on my car and I drive it to Buffalo Police Headquarters and I park in a handicapped spot in front of Buffalo Police Headquarters and then I walk to a bar and get shit-faced drunk at 11.30 in the morning. And then I walk back to my car and I gotta take a piss, so I start peeing next to my car. And this cop comes out, I was like, is this your car? I'm like, yes sir it is. He goes, where are you going? I'm like, to a bar? He goes, I didn't ask you where you're coming from. It's not the answer I gave you. <laughs> is this your car? I'm like, yes, sir. Just come back from Iraq? I'm like, yes, sir. He goes, you wait right here. So he gets his partner. His partner comes out and they put me in a squad car. His partner gets in my truck and they drive my truck to my house and then walk me into a bar. <laughs> <laughs> and they buy me lunch and a beer at 11.30 in the morning. And the cop goes, airborne sergeant and fucking leaps. <laughs> so I call Matt, I'm like, yo, you are not gonna believe what the fuck just happened. <laughs> so I tell him, and he goes, I meant roll through a stop sign, you idiot, and I'm gonna fucking DUI. <laughs> All right, that was awesome. What did you guys think? Did you guys like that? Did you guys think that that was a pretty good comedy set there by Tom Tran? If you did, make sure you go show him some loves. Tell him the Scuttlebutt Show sent you, and uh, maybe we'll get him on the show. Maybe we can get him on the show. Would you guys like to have another comedian on the show? We haven't had one in about... Uh, what, a year? It's been about a year since we've had a comedian on the show. We had, we had a, a string of comedians last year. So who is Tom Tran? Who is Tom Tran? He, it sounds like he was Special Forces, right? Because he was a communications sergeant. That would have made him an 18 Echo in the Army. He would have been with an ODA, and he would have been out there in, in Iraq. And he got shot in the head. So what does that mean, shot in the head? Like, how do you get shot in the head with a 7.62 and live to tell the story? So I'm speculating here. Let me, I'd love to hear what you guys think in the chat about how this happened in the comments. But... Common ways that people get shot and survive with relatively minor injuries or survivable injuries, I should say, not to take anything away here, is that bullet could have been a ricochet, it could have been shrapnel, it could have hit his helmet, it could have been a graze. I'm sure he wasn't, didn't take a round right through the back of the head and, uh, and live to tell the story. But I, I'm curious, I'd be curious to know more about the, the injury and the recovery process. I'm glad that he's doing well now, and I'm glad that he's out there being funny, making a good representation for the military and stand-up comedy, which there's a lot of that. We got Gary Owen, if you guys have ever heard of him, maybe one of the most well-known veteran stand-up comics. But I love that stuff. You guys know I did stand-up comedy last year as part of the Arts and the Armed Services Partnership Program that I was a part of, ASAP, the Armed Services Arts Partnership Shoot, I probably got better get that right. I'll, I'll follow that up, uh, and we'll get somebody from them on the show. So that was uh, that was Tom Tran. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Let me catch up on the chat really quick. So we got uh, we got Stalig seventeen. Is that a movie Regal? Let me see. let me see. Chris says you're gonna cover six days in Fallujah. I am gonna cover six days in Fallujah. Six days in Fallujah is exactly the video game that I'm gonna be talking about today. We've got that coming up in a few stories. Uh, the best of war. Kilo says you guys talk about some movies. So. All quiet. Well, I'll definitely check that out. Thank you guys for appreciating the comedy there. Let's say, let's see. Joan says, I was about to say, I've seen this guy before. Got shot in the head. Yep. So let's see. Hit him in the Kevlar at range. How many times did you get shot in the head, Jones? <laughs> so, uh, so Regal and Jones, 
having a little back and forth there. That's awesome. Thank you guys both for being in the chat and watching the episode. I always uh, love having you guys here. So that was Tom Tran. I, I wanted to share that with you guys when he came across my inbox this morning. I thought that was pretty cool. We've got a fun little story here. We got a fun little story. I'll, I'll move on to the next story really quick so we can keep moving through these. But this is out of the Space Force, and you guys know I love my Space Force news nowadays. This service member just enlisted in the Space Force with his alien pal by his side. So they let this guy enlist into the Space Force. So Staff Sergeant James Taylor, he's crossing branches here, enlisted into the Space Force at the POM along with Buddy, the alien mascot who also participated in the event, keeping an eye on the guest. Taylor applied to work for Space Force last year and will be maintaining cable and satellite communications. I'm glad that the Space Force is still having a good time with it. I'm glad the Space Force is still not taking themselves too seriously. Let me see what happens if I click on this. Take me to Twitter, and let's see what we get here. Can I blow this picture up? Here we go. So look at this. We got Taylor re-enlisting with his little green buddy of his, and uh, and it looks like he's having a good time. Good job, Space Force. Way to way to not be too uptight and have a good time with uh, with yourselves. I hope that they're getting some good work done, too, but I just thought that that was kind of a fun little... There's really nothing more to this, and I just thought you guys deserved to see that. I thought you guys deserved to see that on this nice Sunday afternoon back in the United States. Uh, it's President's Day here in Okinawa, so I don't know if you guys are familiar with what President's Day is, but President's Day basically is a holiday celebrating the birthday of George Washington and some people, you know, will say Abraham Lincoln as well. It's uh, it's the th- it's the third Monday, the third Monday in February every year, something like that. Uh, so th- we have that going on, and it's a nice day off. My wife's in the other room hanging out. She's got a nice day off work, so we're chilling out here, and I hope you guys have tomorrow off too. So let's see. Joan says, quick counting after five. Holy shit, that's out of control. Uh, Stalag was awesome. William Holden and Otto Penninger. I'll check that out. I'll check that out. So I saw, so this, this, uh, I got an article across my desk this morning. And Minnie, what's up? Welcome to the chat. They keep advertising about going to space this fall on TV. It's weird. Well, yeah, NASA's going back up into space. They're going to go back to the moon. We've got Johnny Kim, an astronaut assigned on that mission to go back up into space. That's good stuff. United States launching astronauts back up into space. I think that that's great. Um, so this article came across, where am I looking? This article came across my desk this morning and the headline, the headline really grabbed my attention. So I thought I would click it and check it out and give it a shot. And then I, it ended up being well worth it because the, uh, the article is pretty interesting. Here's the headline. I'll just read you the headline really quick. Canadians team up to set U.S. Navy world record. Let me, let me read it to you again in case you missed that. Canadians team up to set the U.S. Navy world record. So they were probably pretty sorry about breaking our world record here, but let's check out what this story actually is because I think you guys will be interested to know about this one. So Canadians team up to set the U.S. Navy world record. It's taken 20 years, but a group of Canadians is ecstatic about achieving new heights in ballistics. Okay, so we're going to be talking about guns here, guys, which I know a lot of the audience loves. So a Schomburg man is part of a team of Canadian ballistic experts who have shattered world records in the world of munitions. Even a slight edge or improvement is vitally important, especially for military applications. So what record did they break? Andre Milne of Unicorn Aerospace and his colleagues have designed, crafted, and tested new 9mm handgun bullets still in the final testing stages. Data shows these have surpassed anything currently on the market in terms of velocity, punch, accuracy, and distance. So these are new nine millimeter bullets obviously many handguns except nine millimeter bullets most if not all of the military issued handguns the standard sig uh beretta and the glock all take nine millimeter 
So these will work with uh, all of our standard issue handguns. The new and improved bullet named the P-51 hit 2,350 feet per second in recorded tests. Now, to put that in perspective, the current world record is 1,454 feet per second, and that's from the standard U.S. Navy round, and it outperformed the civilian 9mm, which reached 1,339 feet per second. So this bullet can go 1,000 feet per second faster than the bullet already on the market. 1,000 feet per second faster. Now, here's my question to you guys. Does that even matter? Does that even matter when you're using this weapon within 25 yards? I don't know how it was for you guys, but if you're switching to your secondary, if you're switching your handgun, I hope your target is probably pretty close or you're having a pretty bad day. The way we were trained, within 25 yards, if you have a problem, switch to your secondary. If your target's more than 25 yards away, fix your problem with your primary weapon and don't switch to your secondary. Now, with that being said, does 1,000 feet per second make a difference at less than 25 yards? I'm not sure, but let's see what this article goes on to continue to say. Not only that, this bullet traveled true and had a very small two-inch drop in elevation at 100 meters. So here you go. So now here's where it starts to come into play. This bullet only dropped two inches over the course of, oh my gosh, I'm messing my computer up over here. Only dropped two inches in 100 meters, which means now can your handgun be accurate to 100 meters? Does this improve your weapon's lethality up to 100 meters? Can you, are you a good enough shot to aim your pistol 100 meters? Tell me in the comments. A normal civilian round drops 20 inches and a normal Navy round drops 10 inches. Even seasoned firearm experts say they've never heard of a 9 mil hitting speeds like that. Joining the team for the test was Milne's longtime friend and legendary photography Phil friend Phil Pendry. He's an award-winning cinematographer and director born in England, but based in Toronto. Pendry has shot documentaries all over, including about conflicts like the Middle East, Africa, and Vietnam. So they, cre they created this bullet, and he, they're calling it, this is the group's entry-level bullet, and further improvements and designs with other calibers will be set, and then Milne's ahead of the pack. For those seeking the best money can buy, this is definitely it. What makes the P-51 so significant is that this extreme jump into higher velocities intertwined with a near-zero drop in kinetic energy during airborne travel over long distances transforms this munition into an actual aircraft platform by being able to achieve a measure of self-sustainable lift until impact to the target. This breakthrough qualifies the P-51 as now being a fourth-generation ballistic munition. Here's another way that I find this interesting. Does that mean that you could now make an MP5 more of a, a more versatile weapon? If, you roll with, if you're rolling with an MP5 now, does that mean that you can replace an more, more of a better replacement for an M4 on target? What do you guys think? Let me know. So let's see. Let's see. Let me catch up on the chat here. Let's see what you guys think about this one. So the Goku in the background just turned its head. Uh, I'm going to, I'm just, I'm now scared. I'm now scared. So Robert Sweetman. Hey, Robert Sweetman in the chat. What's up, Robert Sweetman? You've been a guest on the show before. Hey, I'd love to get you on, on a live broadcast. Would you be interested in coming back on a live broadcast, Rob? I'd love to get you back on. Let's see. Regal says, what's the bullet's weight? I killed a deer with a desert eagle at 41 yards. I've dropped seven and a half inches. Hi-yo. <laughs> Regal says, sounds like a super light bullet. I can barely even operate a water gun. Marketing gimmick. Regal says, marketing gimmick for this bullet? I don't know. I don't know if I think it's a marketing gimmick. That's pretty legit, right? I mean, that's pretty, to be able to shoot accurately at 100 yards, that means you could roll with lighter equipment and you could carry an MP5 and use that on target a lot more effectively than previously. I'll, I think that that's probably true. Do you guys agree with that? So 
let's see, in total, there are at least 36 world-class experts who have had a hand bringing the P-51 to life. They include black ops snipers, CGI animators, 3D modelers, five-axis CNC machinists, and of course, international patent lawyers. So this is going to be, they're going to be making a ton of money off of this. So they're going to finish out this uh, this bullet and they're going to make bank. They're going to be wealthy and improve the lethality of the nine millimeter weapons. Would you put this bullet in your gun? Here's the question. Would you guys go out and buy this round? Does that sound like a big enough improvement to you to get this round as something you would carry and put into your weapon and use hunting, use for self-defense, use in your everyday carry? Let me know. Let me know in the comments what you guys think about this. I thought that was pretty interesting. To almost double the speed of a round just by changing the design of the bullet and then being able to put it 100 meters out of a pistol with almost no drop, that's pretty interesting. Max, if there is the same kinetic energy and 1,000 feet per second faster, that means the bullet must be very light for the math to work. Yet, you know, or what it sounds like, responding to that comment, what it sounds like is they've designed this bullet in such a way that it is uh, aerodynamically better, right? So it's obviously got, it's got less drag. So that could, that could be a weight factor for sure. So it's got less drag and it's got better lift because it has less drop, right? So the way that that works is you have to have, you know, thrust and drag work against each other and then weight and lift work against each other. So if they lowered the weight, improved the lift, increased or decreased the drag, probably the same thrust, I would be guessing, unless they have packed differently to make it come out of the, unless the explosive power is faster. I don't know. I'm not sure how they did it. It's interesting. They, they patented it. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm just totally uh, speculating here. What's up, Nikki MGTV in the chat? Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yep, we're doing good. Today's show is good. Minnie says, uh, I can barely operate a water gun. Well, we got to get you on the range and get you some practice, huh? So let's get Minnie out on the range and get her practicing. Now, who was it? Who, who called it out earlier? Who was the one to make the, the correct guess that Chris? Chris said, am I going to talk about six days in Fallujah? Six days in Fallujah is our next story, and I've got some cool stuff for you guys to cover with this. So let's get right into this. Rolling from bullets to combat, and let's talk about Six Days in Fallujah, a new video game that's been in the works for a really long time. Let's see what's going on here. Six Days in Fallujah, developer denies U.S. Army recruitment allegations. So in the latest controversy over this video game, now they're saying that Six Days in Fallujah serves as a tool to recruit, and the developers of the game saying it's more of a tool to educate and almost as therapy for some of the people who were there, okay? So we've seen this type of stuff before. So let's talk about Six Days in Fallujah. And if you guys have thoughts on video games, particularly military video games and what their place is, let me know in the comments. I'm sure you guys will let me know. So developer behind the resurrected first-person shooter Six Days in Fallujah has gone on the record to deny allegations that the game, which follows a squad of Marines during the real-life Second Battle of Fallujah, is intended to be used as a recruitment tool for the United States militaries. I think SOCOM U.S. Navy SEALs is probably the biggest recruiter video game that ever came out because it also kind of sucked. So the allegations that the game was meant to entice younger gamers to sign up for military service, which is often glorified in military-themed FPS games, is yet another point of contention in the title's development history, which is already fraught with controversy. So Six Days in Fallujah was originally announced in 2009. So that's like right a couple years after the battle for Fallujah 
occurred. By then publisher Konami, which is Japanese, I believe, for a 2010 release, excessive backlash and subsequent controversy over the game's content resulted in it being postponed for several years as it was passed like a political hot potato from one developer and publisher to the next. The controversy stemmed from the real-life and equally controversial offensive against Al-Qaeda insurgents posted in the city of Fallujah that influenced the game, namely because the battle itself resulted in hundreds of civilian casualties and added to the ire of those who believed that the United States had no reason to be in Iraq in the first place. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's a whole nother context there. As a result, veterans of the Iraq war swiftly condemned the game when it was first announced. And although it was reportedly completed in 2010, the resulting backlash meant it would never make it to shelves. So in a surprise move, Six Days in Fallujah managed to find a publisher willing to take on the challenge along with a new developer as the game and its assets are now over a decade old and original developer Atomic Games is now defunct or out of business. Developer Highwire Games will bring Six Days into the ninth generation of consoles while Victora, which was founded by Atomic Games' former CEO, Peter Tante, says the game will hit show shelves in 2021. That's this year. Tante's continued involvement may have caused other problems, as PlayStation Lifestyle has reported. There have been allegations the game will be used as a recruitment tool for the Army and other military branches, and this stems from the fact that Tante had previously received money from the CIA while active as the CEO of Atomic Games to develop training simulations for the CIA and the FBI. If you have ever been in one of those simulators, those like uh, convoy simulators with the laser weapons, so you're sitting in it, you're, you're a cruiser weapons gunner, gunner in a Humvee, and you're surrounded by screens, and you're driving through the simulated battle space, and you're firing your laser weapons at the screen, and fake targets are blowing up. Have you guys ever been in those? I've gotten to do one of those, and it was pretty, uh, well, what's the word? It was, it was pretty rudimentary at the time. It was not very advanced technologically, uh, but I could see how that would be at least training some muscle memory. You're turning the turret. You're firing the weapon, and there's sound effects, and there's visual effects, and all this stuff, but nothing beats the real thing. Real convoy cruiser weapons training was awesome. So let's see. Let's go down here and see what's going on. We've got uh, the the parties involved in the making of the game promise to pay the utmost respect to the subject matter of the game and to feature stories involving both soldiers and civilians to help gamers understand the real cost of the second battle of Fallujah. Man, could you imagine the pressure on them to try to make people happy with this game, try to make their customers, it's going to be impossible. They have an impossible task. Nobody's going to be happy with this game. Everyone's going to hate it. This company's probably going to go out of business. I don't see this ending well at all whatsoever. Highwire Games added that players won't always be playing the game as an American soldier and will be taking up the role of an Iraqi citizen, which may help give the game a more balanced approach, but of course that remains to be seen. Obviously, a lot of Iraqi civilians fought against al-Qaeda in Iraq. A lot of Iraqi civilians assisted Americans in Iraq. So that would be interesting to see that side of it, including the problems that they faced, pressure from families to not get involved, pr pressure coming down from al-Qaeda that they're going to kill and torture people who help Americans. There's a lot to cover there. The second battle of Fallujah maybe further back in the past than it was when it was first announced, but the renewed controversy over its release shows the wounds from the battle in Iraq have hardly begun to heal. While games like Battlefield show that games based on actual warfare can do well, it might be better to let a few decades pass first. This is interesting because what they're doing here is they're trying to make a very, very realistic game about the battle in Fallujah, and I've got a video preview here, so what we're going to do now is we are going to watch a preview of the game uh nine days in Fallujah, and we are going to see, or six days in Fallujah, excuse me, uh, not like I just said that a million times. So we're going to watch a little preview of six days in Fallujah and do it and react to it. And let me, let me show you guys this. And you tell me what you think in the comments, as far as is this game looking like something that's interesting, looking like it's on the right path, or are they really missing the mark here? So tell me, tell me what's up.
Hold up. Something's wrong here. What's wrong here? Something's wrong. Oh, I still had Tom Tran pulled up. Apologize for that. I still have a Tom Tran video pulled up. Let's uh, let's go back, and now we're going to restart, and this is six days in Falu... We're going to re... Uh, now I'm looking at the right camera. Okay, I think I got it together. I am, I'm jacked up this morning. So, now we're going to watch six days in Fallujah, the preview for the new video game coming out, and you guys tell me what you think in the comments. Saddam had been captured. The Iraqi army scattered. Lawlessness and fear gave Azzaqawi his moment, and he was prepared. They seized Fallujah, and the city was the first to suffer under their black banner. These terrorists were armed to the teeth. No one would fight against them. It had to be stopped or the country will turn over to Al-Qaeda. It was a fortress. It was a well-prepared city, buttressed, waiting for us to come. The only way you can clear a city is you have to search every house, you have to search every room, and you have to root out every insurgent. We sustained hundreds and hundreds of casualties. A third of my battalion was killed or wounded. It was the bunkers they would build inside houses. And you would go in the house, it would be all quiet. And then they would open up on you or shoot you through a hole in the wall. If they didn't hit you right away with a machine gun, they would draw you all the way back to the back of the house where there's really nowhere to escape. There's such a fear. So you're standing in front of the door. You kick down that door, and there's a sense of relief. You only feel it if you survive. We can tell you our stories. We can show you our scars. But some moments must be experienced. Whoa, little twist at the end there. It looks like it's going to be a VR game. Looks like that game's going to be in VR. I think we've done a really good job of appreciating service members. I think they've done a very poor job of telling the actual story of what happened. Wow. Okay, so that's pretty intense, huh? That was pretty intense. Let me rewind this. So that looks, I'll tell you guys one thing. That looks like Iraq. That looks exactly like Iraq. The colors of the buildings, the textures, the everything shot to shit everywhere. That looks like Iraq. This part here when they're going through, when they're clearing the buildings, the bunkers they would build inside houses, and you would go in the house, it'd be all quiet, and then they would open up on you or shoot you through a hole in the wall. If they didn't hit you right away with a machine gun, 
They would draw you all the way. Ooh, that part right there when that guy run. So that gives me the chills looking at that. Holy smokes. Okay, so this is obviously going to focus on what was known as one of the most dangerous parts of the battle in Iraq, which is the house-to-house clearances. So when they were clearing Ramadi, when they were clearing Fallujah, Mosul, Baghdad, it was house-to-house, house-to-house fighting. And that was the deadliest part for the Marines and soldiers in Iraq was this just house-to-house. And what they would have in there, what the— what Al-Qaeda would have is they would have either they would be on the other side of walls. These places would be rigged up with explosives. They would have little secret compartments built into the ceiling sometimes. So they would, ha- they would like make fake walls or fake ceilings, and they would put somebody up there, and then they would just fire down with the machine gun as people entered the building, and it would take the Americans a while to figure out where the fire is even coming from. So the first few people in the fatal funnel, so to speak, would be just shot right away, and then they would have to dig through and fight room to room clearing these houses with grenades, machine guns, breachers, explosives, sometimes just driving a truck right through a building, just drive a truck right through it, you know, calling airstrikes eventually, mortar them, whatever it was to clear these houses. And I know a lot of the combat took place at, you know, inches, like you were fighting people inches away. And I've heard stories, people tell me about, you know, just clearing a building with a shotgun room by room. And I'm really curious what that's going to look like back in this game. The back of the house where there's really nowhere to escape. There's such a fear. So you're standing in front of the door. You kick down that door and there's a sense of relief. You only feel it if you survive. So there's an uh, insane amount of realism in the way that this looks. And you can see here they have this moment in the trailer. Well, one thing that's interesting is that they're interviewing Iraqis and Americans as the trailer goes on about their experiences. So obviously this move, this, this game, I just called it a movie. So obviously this game is going to include footage uh, or, or experiences from actual people. And then there's this moment here at the end where these two guys are clearing this house and are going room to room and they reach this closed door. And you can see that they have what looks like a Oculus or PlayStation VR uh controller top uh, as the as the doorknob there and he goes to give his buddy the grab to let him know he's there and ready that they're stacked up on the door and they both look back at the camera and that's like the that's the signal when you grab your buddy's shoulder and squeeze like that that's the signal like okay i'm ready let's go and then he'll open the door and they'll go in to clear the next room so they're trying to make this a very realistic uh experience of what guys were doing as they were going room to room as far as training tactics you know how it happens in real life you know in those houses in Iraq, I don't know, but that's how you would train is, you know, to clear, to go up and clear a room like that in what you would call the stack or the train. So, um, what'd you guys think about that trailer for that game? Are you interested? Are you going to give it a shot? Are you going to play it? The visuals look extraordinarily accurate to what I remember Iraq being like, uh, we'll see what it was like if you're going to be shooting people in the face from two feet away, Iraqis, if they're going to address stuff like civilian casualties and have to deal with that kind of thing, make some sort of ethical decisions in that. I don't know. If you were a veteran of Iraq or Afghanistan, would you play that game? Would you give that game a shot? I'm curious. Let me know in the comments down below. Let me catch up on the chat here really quick. So let's see. Let's see. We've got, we got to go. Oh, the chat's been blowing up, which I love. I love this. So Robert says, I would love to jump on your show and chat anytime. Currently driving across Arizona in the RV. That's awesome, dude. Have a good time. Uh, enjoy the drive. Nikki says, watch War Dogs on Netflix. I will watch War Dogs. I've just saw, I've never seen it. And I saw that that recently popped up on Netflix. So I will give that a shot. Uh, let's see. Regal says kinetic energy point five. Uh, come on, dude. You're going to drop some math on me in the middle of the show. I can't handle that. 
Robert says, would the blast pressure cause need for different spring? That's a good, those are all good questions. And you guys are both smarter than me on this stuff. So maybe, uh, maybe I'll, I'll try to find out some more information before I just spiral out of control with some nonsense. Regal says, okay, so you guys still talking about the gun. Let's see. Larry says, I highly doubt that anyone joined the military because of a video game. Well, I don't know, actually. I'm sure, uh, look, they've got those guys. If you say that they joined because of a video game, look, we've got the esports teams now. The esports teams are out there recruiting. Uh, they're out there playing video games, recruiting people. I'm not sure, dude. I'm not sure. I think people would. I think people would probably join the military because of a video game. You know, just like you joined a movie because of, you joined the military because you saw a movie that inspires you or read a book. A video game could be exactly the same effect. In my, that's what I think, at least. Minnie says, a bunch of Karen squawking about nothing. The game is a game. Uh, nice. <laughs> I like how Karen's become like the standard for anybody who complains about anything. Um, but I, I, I think that there's a, at the, there's probably some legitimate discussion of, over the, the ethics of that game. And then there's also some BS stuff, too, I'm sure. Um, let's see. Regal says, I've done those. Shot a civilian who was stealing stuff. Got in trouble. <laughs> Uh, Minnie says, if they make a VR game, might hit harder with realism. Looks like it is going to be VR. Robert says, USA, USA, USA. All right, always welcome here. Larry, what odd time American Sniper is on the tube as we speak. American Sniper was an awesome uh, telling of that story on, cin on cinema. Nikki says, I have friends that served in the battle. If it was a Call of Duty installment, I bet it would do well. When is Call of Duty going to address the war on terror? They obviously skipped right over to future warfare. They went from World War II right to the future. Now we're going back to the Cold War, Vietnam. So when is when is Call of Duty going to address modern uh, war on terror? Minnie says, the graphics are really nice. I agree, but there was no gameplay footage, like Robert says, which is suspect. Uh, Gary says, that was intense. I agree. I don't know. Was there gameplay footage? I don't know. I don't know if I saw any actual gameplay footage or in-game kind of uh, rendering of, of cutscenes. Let's see. That was all a cutscene. I agree. Looked good. Just saying. Larry says, Everybody wants to be a cool guy until you have to do cool guy stuff. Yes, that is the, that is the saying. That is the saying. Everybody wants to be everybody wants to be a cool guy until it's time to do cool guy stuff. That is exactly it. Minnie says, "Not nah, I'll be in the back grumbling myself with a, uh, guarding myself with a water gun. Nice. I got HTC Vive. I'll give it a shot. There's a Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare. But isn't that about more like futuristic stuff? Justin, Justin, what's up? Welcome. When I would volunteer as safety for SFT of delayed entry recruits going into special programs, I would often hear people respond with video games as a response. Interesting. Okay. So when you were working with the recruiters, you heard people say that they were joining because of video games. Is that what you're saying? How interesting. How interesting. Um, okay. So we got to keep cruising. Uh, if we want to get through the, all the stories that we have today, I think I already might have to drop one. I'm going to drop one story. It's not a headline story. We haven't even talked about it yet. You guys will never know it was gone. I'll bring it back tomorrow. So let's get on to the next story here, which is Fort Bliss soldier charged with murder and shooting death of former soldier. What is going on? We got another one. We got another one. Another. What is going on out of Fort Bliss? We got the El Paso police have charged a Fort Bliss soldier with murder in the February 8th shooting death of a former Fort Bliss soldier. Police arrested 23-year-old Sergeant Marcus Lamar Hill for shooting 26-year-old Darian Marquez Williams after a fight broke out in the parking lot of a downtown El Paso area bar after midnight on February 8th. I know we got some soldiers in the chat. What's up with Fort Bliss? Why is everyone getting murdered at Fort Bliss? Williams was transported to an area hospital where he was pronounced dead. Police arrested Hill and Sergeant Brandon Rashad King, 29, at a traffic stop at 2 a.m. Hill, is, who was charged with Williams' murder, is being held on 750,000 bond. King was charged with unlawfully carrying a handgun. Yeah, I don't know if... 
see, see, and then here's the statement from the army on this. This behavior is an affront to the values of the U.S. Army. Our sympathies are with those affected in this terrible incident. Yeah, I don't think you need to bring the core values of the Army into this. It's obviously, uh, you know, not a good situation. It, you don't have to say things like it brings discredit to the Army. It's a murder. It sucks. Fort Bliss officials, law enforcement, and Army Criminal Investigation Command are cooperating with the El Paso Police Department's investigation, Payne said in a statement. Meanwhile, Army officials in Hawaii, char- oh, they're going to talk about uh, Raul Hernandez-Perez on February 4th with the murder of his wife. Uh, so there's been just so many stories of the army of murders in the army. It's so crazy. What's going on in the army? Why do we have another story about a murder in the army at Fort Bliss? And what's the solution going to be? Cause we do, we do two of these a week. We got two a week of these stories. It's out of control. What is going on out there? Chris Hernandez says there's 2003 game footage in third person, uh, of that game. Chris, are you talking about that game? I mean, he says, I think Call of Duty does war-based games that have been out of the loop to avoid controversy. 100% agree. Larry says, nothing good happens after midnight. Yep, that's true. All of these uh, soldiers keep getting killed late at night outside of bars, on the street, outside of the bases. I don't know what's going on there. It is unfortunate. Let's see. I got a comment coming in from Regal. I'll check out really quick, and then we're going to get to a UFO story. Regal says, saw a couple army guys pull guns on each other in my apartment common area. I was watching through the peephole with a 45 ready to shoot the first guy who pulled the trigger. Damn. Damn, that's out of control, dude. That is totally out of control. Hey, if you guys are watching right now and you haven't had a chance to check out the links in the description on how to best support the channel, we've got a Patreon link. We've got a donation link. There's a link to the Discord over there. If, you haven't, if you're not a subscriber to this channel, make sure you smash that subscribe button. We're creeping right up on 1,000 subscribers. We're trying to hit that this week. Trying to hit 1,000 subscribers this week. So share the videos. Right now, one of the best ways to support the channel is to just share the video. Uh, if you share the video... Get the word out there. I would really appreciate that. That's one of the best ways to support the channel. If you become an elite patron on Patreon, on your second month, I'm going to send you out a free t-shirt, a free Scuttlebutt Show t-shirt. So along with all the other benefits out there, and there's some more videos coming out there specifically to Patreon uh, this week. So Robert says, that's awesome. Jones says, bro, that's the whole army. (laughs) The army is uh, getting a lot of bad press on that kind of stuff. But I guess it's true. I guess what you guys are saying is it's true. In the time that I was working with the army, I never saw that stuff. Um, I never saw any of that happen, but when I was deployed, we did have some, uh, army guys who were fighting each other on deployment, like not in a, not in any kind of good way. I mean, like real, like, you know, trying to beat the crap out of each other. And, uh, and they got kicked out of, uh, where we were working at in, in um, Bagram. So let's see. Minnie says counseling should be a requirement for those who serve no exceptions. Counseling. Like, what do you mean? Can you define counseling? What kind of counseling you're talking about? And you know, that stuff is available through the VA. If you've deployed in the military, by the way, just so you guys are all up on this on this uh, thing, this 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 program, this benefit that you get, if you deployed while you're in the military to a combat zone at any point in time, even if you were in the Navy and you just deployed to the Gulf, or if you were deployed to Kuwait or something like that, you get five years of 100% free healthcare when you get out of the military, full coverage, everything, five years. Uh, Chris says, yeah, there's 2009 gameplay of six days in Fallujah. Yeah, because the game uh, was originally devved in 2009. Bro, look up Black Raptor Fort Carson. Okay, I'll look that up. Maybe we'll look that up at the end of the show. I've got two stories I got to get to, including the women in the draft. But this one was interesting. I got this coming across my desk this morning, and this one was kind of interesting. A throwback to the U.S. Navy UFO thing. 
Tic-tac UFO flying object spotted in New York, similar to the one that baffled the U.S. Navy. So these tic-tac UFOs are showing their faces again. You guys let me know what you think about this. Is this as nefarious as this article claims? So the infamous tic-tac UFO that baffled U.S. Navy officials a few years ago has apparently reappeared in the United States. An image recently captured in Oswego, New York, shows Oswego shows an unknown flying object in the skies. The shape of this UFO seems very familiar to the vessel that perplexed Navy officials in the Pentagon, which resulted in the launch of the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. So here's a picture of it right here. Uh, this bottom left thing circled looks like a just a part of this, uh, what do you call it, like a electrical pole wiring here. And then this is the Tic Tac UFO, if you're watching on the screen, this white um, item up here. So let's watch this video. Uh, what I can do is I can show you guys this video here. Let me just pull up YouTube. And uh, what we'll do is we'll just watch this on YouTube here. So here's the video. 13. However, however, the whole world only saw the original one Tic Tac video. Okay, one Tic Tac UFO that was flying by. He recorded, he said there was two, but he only recorded one. However, the whole world had missed the most important thing. There was a silver metallic disc near the power line, not near the Tic Tac, but near the power line right over his head. And he's not looking through a window. He's not in a car. You could hear his feet shuffling through the grass over the leaves that he's walking while he's trying to look up and record. So watch this video. Hit that subscribe button, baby. Pound that button and tell me your thoughts below the video. What you think is going on here? Why is there a UFO? Shout out to UFO right here? Sightings That's Daily. A silver disc YouTube near channel. the power lines because it doesn't look at all like part of the power line or anything. And look at this tic tac over Owego, New York. Thank you very much. So here's the footage. Here's the cell phone footage. It looks relatively normal, like a normal aircraft. Does this look suspect to you guys at all? Is there anything unusual about this? I don't actually think that I see anything here that makes me think this is a UFO. But let me know. Do you guys see any? What do you guys see here? What do you guys see there? What is that? Is that suspicious or is that just a plane? It's not moving suspiciously. I don't see a, I don't see a, anything really strange there. Okay, so there's the end of that video. I don't see anything particularly strange there. Do you guys see anything there that makes you think that that is a UFO, an unidentified flying object from outer space? That looks like just an airplane to me. I don't know. Am I missing something here? Is that a suspicious? Is did that did that deserve to make the news like that? That looks like just an aircraft to me. So, let me see. What do you guys think in the comments here? Let's see. Uh, don't look it up, Max. Spoilers. Oh, oh, okay. I won't look. I will not look it up. Got you. Got you. We were talking about that yesterday. I will not look that up. Minnie says psychological therapy. So Minnie, when I came back from my deployments in uh, Naval Special Warfare, psychological counseling was mandatory. You had to go see a therapist once and talk to them about your experiences and they ask you questions. Are you feeling okay? Are you feeling like hurting yourself? Is there anything you want to talk about? And then if you say no, they clear you and they let you go on. I don't think that you should have to get mandatory psychological counseling or mandatory medical stuff, but it should always be available. Like it should definitely be easy to get if you want it. That's what I think. So downtown says, should I join as an officer or just go enlisted in the army? That's an interesting question. Um, what do you want to do in the military? Remind me what you want to do in the military. Larry D says it's Commander Fravor again. Uh, maybe commit. What do you guys think? Did Commander Fravor now make his own Tic Tac UFO? And he is. Uh, he is now going flying around in those things. 
David Fravor, obviously, uh, the commander of the squadron that spotted a Tic Tac UFO flying off of California on an aircraft carrier back in 2009. Was that 2009 also? Excuse me real quick, one second. I clear my throat. So Regal says, uh, depends on what you want to do. Talking to downtown. Yep, I agree. Let's see. Robert says, pound that button, baby. <laughs> pound that subscribe button. Share these videos. Let's see. Kilo says it's an aircraft. Mini says, what if UFOs are government makings and not about aliens like they're testing out space compatible flying units? Very possible. Regal says distant aircraft. I agree. Chris says UFO. Jones says, I'd have to see that in person. I agree. I want to, dude, it's like I always say. If aliens are real, I want to be abducted by aliens. If ghosts are real, I want to be haunted. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got to see this stuff for myself. I want to believe. I want to believe it just needs to happen to me for me to believe it. Larry D says, nope, not a UFO. Let's see. Downtown says, I think it's edited. And Jones and Regal are chatting. So downtown says, I'm trying to be a combat medic, 68 whiskey. Well, then, uh, you, know what you, you know what you should do? I'm not telling you what to do. But if you want to be medical... You could join enlisted as medical, get your degree, finish your degree while you're in, commission, and go to medical school. Have you ever thought about that? If you want to be a medic, have you ever thought about the military as a pathway to medical school? A lot of people do it. A lot of people join up as corpsmen or as medics and end up going to medical school. Are you curious about that? Or PA? Larry's got a great point. You can go in as a PA. You can use the military as a pathway to get your education. Have you considered that? Let me know in the comments. Now, look, guys, I got you here today. Promise of the premise. You guys hear me talk about the promise of the premise, the big headline story of today. Should women be drafted? Ha have you guys been thinking about it since the beginning of the episode? Have you guys compiled your thoughts? I'd love to hear them. Should women be drafted? So here's the article from military.com. Retired three and four star generals petition court to add women to the draft registration conscription here. 10 retired general and flag officers, including the former director of the NSA, have filed a brief with the U.S. Supreme Court supporting expansion of the draft registration to include women. Retired Air Force General Mike Hayden, former director of National Security Administration, General Stanley McChrystal, General Claudia Kennedy, and others filed a friend of the court or amicus brief Wednesday supporting a case brought against the government by the National Coalition for Men, a group challenging the constitutionality of the Selective Service System's male-only registration restriction. Now, the National Coalition for Men is probably going to catch a lot of flack just based on their name. Uh, but, hey, I have got no problem with it. The case landed in the Supreme Court after a federal appeals court ruled in August that the male-only draft is constitutional. The plaintiffs and the retired flag officers argue that the exclusion is discriminatory and inim inimical. Oh, this is embarrassing. What is this word? Inimical to the nation's security interests. I've got, I'm going to pull up Google and get inimical real quick. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We're going to do this. I feel like an idiot. I've never heard this word. I'm not as smart as you guys in the chat. It means tending to obstruct or harm. So inimical means tending to obstruct or harm. Don't say I never taught you anything. Don't say the Scuttlebutt Show never taught you anything. I know everyone out there didn't know what inimical means, but now we do. Including women in the selective service would double the pool of candidates. Let's see. Would double the pool of candidates available to draft, raising the overall quality of the conscripted force and enabling the nation to better meet its military needs. The case from the National Coalition for Men, uh, James... Lemeister and Anthony Davis versus the Selective Service System and Donald Benton began as a lawsuit in 2013, which they lost. So U.S. men between the ages of 18 and 26 are required to register with the Selective Service System. You guys have all done that. You put in, If you have a Social Security number, you're in the Selective Service System. The lawsuit asserts that the system discriminated against uh, Lemeister and Davis based on gender. Lemeister and the coalition argued that women should be included in the system 
database and subject to the draft if it is ever needed. So then the court ruled that the male-only draft was unconstitutional, discriminating against men on the basis of sex in violation of the Fifth Amendment's Equal Protection Clause. A three-judge panel with the Fifth Circuit of Appeals ruled in August that while the facts of an earlier Supreme Court decision that set precedent confirming the legality of the male-only draft registration had changed, this does not grant the Court of Appeals license to disregard or overrule the precedent. So that's why we still have a male-only draft. In the amicus brief, the general flag officers argue that women who make up 70% of the armed forces now work in combat and non-combat roles, something that does not lower military standards. Rather than lowering standards, fully integrating the armed forces has ensured that each individual, regardless of gender, is thoroughly qualified to meet the specific needs of his or her position. An attorney who helped the officers draft their brief, Todd Torrell of the Los Angeles-based firm Jenner and Block, called the restriction one of the last examples of overt sex discrimination written into law from a bygone era. So, Here's the thing that I'm trying to figure out reading this article right now is, is this saying that it's discrimination against men or discrimination against women? So obviously they're saying that the draft discriminates against men here for the National Coalition of Men, but then it sounds like other people are saying it actually discriminates against women because women can't get drafted, which they would probably love, right? I mean, women would love to go serve, right? For years, American women have prevailed in our nation's toughest military schools and military ranks. It's time we value their contributions and service, and it's time that our policies reflect this cultural shift. Other groups that have filed briefs in favor of the plaintiffs include the Modern Military Association of America, the National Organization for Women Foundation, Women's Law Project, Gender Justice, and Women's Law Center of Maryland. Women, it sounds like women want this. The National Coalition for Men, which is like, just, what are you doing calling yourself that nowadays if you want to, if you don't want to get written off in the media right away, you can't call yourself the National Coalition for Men. Represented by the American Civil Liberties Union filed its case petition to the U.S. Supreme Court on January 8th, and the government's response is due by, Janu- by March 15th. So we only have to wait until March 15th to find out the, what's going to happen here. So let me catch up on the chat here and see what you guys think. So let's see. Let me see if there's anything about this. Uh, Larry says, no, women should not be in the draft. Regal says, I just had a daughter, so no. Jones says, equality. Minnie says, once because people don't lie. No, too many people go flying under the radar about their... Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, I'll catch up with you on that in a minute. If we ever have to activate a draft, things went seriously bad way. Larry, double the pool, but I'd say 80% are not military compatible, while only 20% of men are not. It's a waste of limited resources. A very loud minority of women want it. So, here's what I think. I've thought about this before the show started. Should the draft include women? I think it has to. I think it. I think it's not even about want to or is it the right thing to do. I think it just has to. I think the draft has to include women at this point. I just finished Kill Chain. I just finished the book Kill Chain this weekend on that long drive I had up to the north end of the island dropping Mark off. And I think that, you know, if there was a modern large-scale war, we would have to draft women. We would need as much of our... Po- as many people in the population of the United States who are fit to serve must. If we were at a world war, if we had a giant large-scale war, the casualty numbers would be so high, the way that our military would be spread thin would be so, we would be so weakened by just spreading thin that we would need, we would have to draft women and get them in jobs that are the best suited for them. So would you draft all women and put them in infantry? Maybe that's not the best way to do it. But would you draft women and put them in, in whatever job that they fit in that they can do? Aircraft maintenance, uh, administration, um, uh, logistics, all the different roles, even cooks, like whatever it is. You need to draft everybody and get them in wherever they fit in. If we had a large-scale global conflict, we would need 
every single person available who's fit, who's healthy, is not too overweight, not suffering any mental illness, not suffering any physical injuries. It would be every single person, human being in the United States, man, woman, or other, that is able would have to get freaking drafted. That's what I think. So am I for it? I'm all for it. I'm all for including women in the draft. I think that it's just not about, it's not about protecting women. Okay. My argument is not that we, women should be protected. My argument is not that women want to be drafted and that they're being discriminated against. I think it's just a fact of the matter that we would have to do it. It would just have to be done as many bodies as possible. Get out there in the fight because it would be just so catastrophic. A modern global war would be so catastrophic and death toll that I just don't see a way around recruiting every single man and woman and volunteer, regardless of, you know, senior citizen, whatever, minor injuries, whatever it is. I think it would be just a, just a must. It would just be something we have to do. Train people up and get them out, you know, in some way, in some shape or form, supporting the mission. What do you guys think about that? I'm not saying we should protect them. I'm not saying they, we, that they want to be out there. I just think we have to do it. It would be something we have to do. So let's see what's going on in the chat over here. You guys are telling me a lot of ideas. Let's see. Let's see. Good Robert says, this is a political uh, hogwash. It has nothing to do with making us more effective and lethal right now. Well, Having, I think getting on this now and having the ability to draft people when the time comes, I think you want to get on this as soon as possible, right? We haven't had a draft in a pretty long time, but if we did, you don't want to wait until then to pass some kind of legislation like this. Ghost Rider says, if they want to serve, why not volunteer? Well, I think, so the idea of selective service is you have the ability to like, it's not something anybody wants to do. Like nobody says I, I choose or do no man says I choose or do not choose to sign up for selective service. You have to sign up. It's the law or else you get in trouble. And then the only way around it is if there's something wrong with you that prohibits you from joining the military. Kilo says could have mandatory service. I am 100%. We talked about this on the show before 100% against mandatory service. I am 100% against mandatory service. I don't want anybody there who doesn't want to be there unless it's a draft type scenario in which it's, the fate of the world rests on us just having more people, right? So if it, I, I like the military as a volunteer service. Justin says, I'll be planting my freedom garden. Uh, <laughs> Gary Reed says, agree with Regal about um, drafting for support jobs. Yep, so that's what I'm saying. That's what I was saying too. In Israel, women serve in combat roles, but they're outnumbered by their enemies 100 to 1. The whole Israeli army is outnumbered massively. Regal says, service guarantees citizenship. Would you like to know more? <laughs> I was just posted some Starship Troopers memes uh, this past weekend. Kilo says, mandatory for non-combat arms, combat arms volunteer only, at least during peacetime. I don't think mandatory for anybody. I'm against that. I was just kind of explaining it. Minnie says, since men and women are equal, why does male terms offered offend people? I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. Uh, Minnie, a whole nother conversation. Regal says, men bad, okay? <laughs> it's that simple. Minnie says, at the end of the day, it's just a word. Yep, totally. I, you know, and and uh, and I'm not for that kind of like weird getting uh, rhetoric stuff either. Jones says Johnny Rico. Yep, Rico's roughnecks. I would join. Would you? Here's the real question: Would you volunteer for for the war against the bugs, the invading force? Would you join Rico's roughnecks and get out there and fight the bugs? Would you like to know more? Uh, I love I love that. I just put in. I just had had a meme on Instagram about the Would you like to know more? By the way, if you're not following me on Instagram. My story's lit with fire memes all day long, and so is the Discord. So if you guys aren't already on the Discord, head over there. If you're on Discord, I would love to get you in our room. Head over there, link in the description. 
All the links to all the ways to support the channel are in the description of this video. So, so final thoughts on the drafting. Okay, I want to just wrap that up nice and cleanly. Do I think women should be included in the draft? I do. I think it's only because we have to. For no other reason than we just have to. We would need as many people as possible. So many people out there are just fat, lazy mother effers now anyway that where are we going to get a good fighting force from? Like, it's already hard enough to recruit people who don't have medical conditions or reasons to not join or they're too out of shape or then there's going to be uh, conscientious objectors, 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 conscientious objectors and all this stuff, college students that get a lot of people out of the draft. Nowadays, so many people are in college, not like Vietnam. If they have the same thing where they're going to draft people unless you're in college, that will forget it. And there goes your 18 to 22-year-olds. Everybody's in freaking college now. So I think women should be included in the draft 100%. We will find out by March 15th, and I will absolutely update you on the Scuttlebutt Show about any updates regarding that. So are you doing your part? The only good bug is a dead bug. Let's go. We have some weird ones out. I feel like it's Starship Troopers out here in Okinawa. We have some bugs out here that I actually need my my Starship Troopers assault rifle to be carrying around with me to take care of these things. So with that being said, this was an awesome episode. It's a beautiful Monday out here in Okinawa. It's nice and sunny out. It's a little windy, but I am excited to go spend the rest of the day kind of hanging out and enjoying some time off. With that being said, I look forward to talking to you guys very soon. I hope you're having a great Sunday evening. We'll be back tomorrow with another regularly scheduled episode. Let's see. Regal says, need a good army? Clone Jones. Not, well, there we go. We can get clones. I'm going fleet with Denise Richards. <laughs> Don't go fleet. Don't go fleet. Can't go fleet. So, all right. I'm going to go watch Starship Troopers now, I think, actually. I'm staying. I, I take it all back. I'm staying inside. I'm going to watch Starship Troopers today. You guys are awesome. Love you guys. Minnie says, I lived in Florida. I was in... Many a war with roaches, raid bombs, and the only way to survive. <laughs> raid bombs are the only way to survive. Hey, we'll talk about the, the, the psychological counseling maybe on tomorrow's episode. Many, that's actually a pretty interesting subject. Um, so that's it. Let's wrap up today's show. Today was an awesome episode. Thank you guys very much. Please share the channel. Please help me get to 1,000 subscribers by the end of the week. If we get close, we're going to go live and stay live until we hit that, that goal. With that being said, I look forward to talking to you guys very, very soon tomorrow. And stay tuned for clips from this episode hitting the web, the YouTubes later. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Alfna? What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.